Good morning, well family. Happy to be together. Let me just pray and ask for God's grace as we dive into our text for this morning. Lord, thank you for the goodness of the gospel that you have given to us. And we do, Lord, want to humble ourselves under your word, under your truth. Pray, O oh God, for wisdom to understand all you want us to understand from this book that you've given us for this season. Pray you'd help me to explain it accurately and that by the Holy Spirit, you would take its truth and write it on our hearts, Lord. Thank you for the grace of the gospel that we have, Lord. That our hope is not in ourselves, our hope is not in trying better and harder, our hope is in you by the empowering and strengthening of God the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your grace, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are now at the last verses of Ecclesiastes. Uh, this is the epilogue as uh, many have called it. I love how Keith called it. It's a closing argument. It's the, the, the close of the deal, so to speak, the final words. If you remember, uh, the preacher, as he's called in the book of Ecclesiastes, has taken us on a journey. He has looked for meaning and satisfaction in learning, in pleasure, in possessions, in hard work. And he's found it all to be empty. He has shown us repeatedly and in multiple times, that death awaits us all. It levels the playing field. It shows no favorites. And he has shown us the reality of wisdom versus folly. And that even in the places of power, there's been folly and injustice. And, and as he has observed all of this, he has concluded that everything is vanity, that unifying refrain throughout the book that in an under-the-sun perspective, meaning a perspective of life that is separate from God, that is not infused with faith, it all is meaningless. People come, people go, there's nothing new under the sun. Same stuff, round and round, it all feels pointless. This is the journey that the preacher has taken us on. Yet, throughout the book, there have been these moments where his perspective lifts. In chapter 3, as an example, he points to the sovereignty of God over times and seasons. And in numerous places, we get these bursts of hope in the book, instructing us to enjoy the simple blessings of life, to enjoy our God and the gifts that he gives us. So today is the conclusion as he's taken us on that journey of all these different ups and downs and all this different vanity and all these different uh, pathways with these occasional bursts of hope, he now gives us the big takeaway. What are we as the people of God in response to what we've read these last number of months? What is our big takeaway from all that we've read? And therefore, since this book is from God, for our benefit, what is the primary conclusion, the primary takeaway that our God is giving us through this book? This is the point of the text today. So we're finishing the book of Ecclesiastes. 
please do follow along with me. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 9 to 14. I'll read the whole section and then back up and go verse by verse. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected saying. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Back up to verse 9. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. This is what the preacher has been doing. We've seen it. He sought to organize things in a thoughtful, careful manner. And we've seen that. It's with intentionality that the book has been structured the way it has. This also ties the book to the author of the book of Proverbs. Similar ideas, similar poetic words. The preacher sought, verse 10, to find words of delight. And uprightly he wrote words of truth. And he sought to communicate these things with poetic skill, teaching truth with artistry, much like a good songwriter or a good rap artist seeks to communicate their message, not in dull and boring and uninspired language, but with color and creativity. We've seen this in the way that the preacher has arranged the writings. We've seen this in his use of metaphor and poetic analogy. It communicates truth, but in a thoughtful, careful, organized, artistic manner. And then a word about wisdom again, which we've seen throughout the book. Verse 11, the words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. All that we've looked at about wisdom in this book is like a goad, which historians point out is a pointed stick that was used to prod livestock along. The words that we've studied from our God in terms of wisdom versus folly are like that pointed stick, <clears throat> pushing us along, steering us away from trouble. And this idea, as we see there in the, in the uh, middle of verse 11, nails firmly fixed, it carries this idea of reliability, dependability, stability, they're trustworthy. Commentator Michael Eaton attaches this to the idea of these words of wisdom are now established in our memory. When it, you know, thinking of that idea of reliability, we have this large mirror in our house. And when we take it down or move it and then put it back up, as we lift it up, I think about those nails holding the mirror. How can these nails hold such a large mirror? But because those nails are firmly in the wall, intentionally nailed into the studs, they have this dependability, this reliability that they can hold something heavy. These are the words of the wise. 
They push us along. They protect us from error. They're reliable, dependable, and trustworthy. Therefore, those are the words we listen to. Verses, verse 12. And what an appropriate warning for us for the next few days. My son, verse 12. Oh, excuse me. I missed for end of verse 11. They are given by one shepherd pointing to God himself. These have been the words of the preacher, the inspired editor, as we've been calling him. But this, in verse 12, points to the true author of all that we've studied, God himself. Verses, verse 12. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. If this was written today, he might say, be wary of lots of information, for of many books, blogs, articles, social media posts, there is no end. And much reading is weariness indeed. If you try to keep up with all of it, it is exhausting. Brothers and sisters, happy is the man or woman in the coming days who turns off their phone restricts their social media with intentionality and with all diligence, doesn't get sucked into the 24-hour news cycle and sits with the Bible in one hand and perhaps a coffee or a cup of coffee or tea in the other and rests in their God. Of much study is a weariness of the flesh. Verse 13, the end of the matter. All has been heard. He gives us this detail of how the preacher arranged his Proverbs. He then gives us an encouragement, a reminder of what wisdom is, and now the conclusion, the end of the matter. After we've heard all of this, what's the main idea? Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. It's remarkable in its life-giving simplicity. And one naturally follows the other. An awe of God produces an obedience to God. In other words, humble ourselves, well, family, under the sovereign, kind, gracious God and do what he says. The purpose of our existence our purpose for the next days is summed up in those simple words. Said in a different way by Jesus, when asked, what are the greatest commandments of God? Jesus responds, love God and love neighbor. Beautiful, remarkable simplicity. To the entire human race, what is the quote-unquote secret to life as it's meant to be lived? What is the key to human fulfillment? What is the purpose of why you and I are here? It's not some complicated, mysterious, nebulous, tricky, have a secret key to unlock a secret box kind of philosophical idea. No, it is fear God and keep his commandments. 
for true human flourishing is contained therein. So, to the child, just starting out in life, undoubtedly some of the well kids are joining us this morning, fear God and keep his commandments for the rest of your life. To the young woman or young man beginning their teenage years, often marked by opportunities, change, preparation, and some anxiousness perhaps, fear God and keep his commandments, for that is what life is all about. To the young man or young woman preparing to leave home, go to college or join the workforce, embarking on the next chapter of an independent life, fear God and keep his commandments. Every other road is empty. This road is life. <clears throat> to those in their 20s and 30s, navigating school or a new relationship perhaps, or a new marriage or young kids, a new job, significant transition, perhaps isolation or doubt, fear God and keep his commandments. That way of life will not lead you astray. To those of us in our 40s and 50s, my age demographic, some of the dreams and goals of youth have faded. Some of the pain of age is beginning to reveal itself. Some of the, us may be feeling regrets. Some may be going through a midlife crisis even. Fear God and keep his commandments. We shall not be disappointed. To those ahead of me in your 60s and 70s, please fear God and keep his commandments. You set the pace for us. There are few things sadder than to see someone in the last quarter of life becoming increasingly bitter, angry, and self-centered. And few things more life-giving to see our pace setters full of life and joy and sacrificial service. Fear God and keep his commandments. To those who are near the end of life, soon you will meet the triune God. Fear God and keep his commandments. And for all of us of any age, Regardless of the result of this election, fear God and keep his commandments. Come years of continued prosperity or come years of difficulty and suffering, fear God and keep his commandments. And our book ends with this. The end, uh, excuse me, verse 14. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. The last word of the book, in the snap of the fingers, in the blinking of an eye, we stand before the holy triune God. When all the noise of this last eight months is silent.
and the creator of all things is beheld. The sustainer of all things is before us and we will give account. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. For those who have believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ turn from their sin and empowered by grace remain faithful to him the rewards of eternal life with him, eternal joy and perfection, the apex of human existence. And for those who have rejected the gospel of our Lord and live for themselves, eternal judgment in the lake of fire, bearing the full consequence for their sin. So, let the people of God gathered together in this local congregation, the Well Community Church, in light of all we have learned through this inspired book since we began it online March 29th, as we conclude it online November 1st, let the Well Community Church, empowered by His grace, transformed by the Holy Spirit, motivated not in order to earn God's acceptance, but because in Christ we have it. Let us fear God and keep his commandments. Amen. Lord, may the power of your word be written on our hearts for the glory of our God and the good of his people. Amen.